Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. New to the show? Let me break it down for you, nice and simple. My name's Matt McLaughlin. I am the creator and host of most episodes. On the show, I bring on friends and interview some very interesting guests. Here to talk sports, music, entertainment, and we're not going to leave anything off the table. We're here to bruise egos. My generation of common is him just being on Microsoft commercials. No running back should ever be in an MVP consideration. Eat up, bud! Eat up! We ask hard-hitting questions. Goodfellas are the godfather. This is dangerous work down here. Better guitarist with the name Jimmy. Jimi Hendrix or Jimmy Page. Are aliens real, yes or no? And have incredible moments that will leave you wondering. What the hell's going on out here? Thank you all for tuning in and enjoy the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, here, wherever you, oh God, wherever and whenever you may be listening to this, here on Super Bowl Monday, probably the most celebrated hangover day of the year on the American calendar, we are coming off the heels of Tom Brady winning his seventh Super Bowl. Uh, the Buccaneers defeated the Chiefs 31-9, but before we get into that, let me introduce my co-host, Timmy Gorman. I am Matthew McLaughlin as your your host, as always. We're going to be breaking down the Super Bowl. The Flyers picked up some impressive wins, and we're going to cover some college hoops. Change it up a little bit. Throw a curveball in there, because Timmy wants to get into these college hoops, and I figured just let him rant about Luca Garza, which we'll get into at the end. But first of all, the Super Bowl. Obviously, Tom Brady solidifies himself as the GOAT. Seven Super Bowl rings, six with New England. He goes to Tampa Bay for one year and wins another championship with Rob Gronkowski. Patrick Mahomes really struggled in this one. The Chiefs tried to patch up their offensive line. They were missing both of their starting tackles. Mahomes, according to Axios, pulling out all the advanced stats in this one, Mahomes (laughs) scrambled for over almost 500 yards. 500 yards just scrambling around, trying to make something out of nothing. Um Tampa Bay's defense forced pressure on Mahomes on 29 of his dropbacks, which was another Super Bowl record compared to Tom Brady, who was only pressured on four of his dropbacks, which is the fewest in a Super Bowl ever. So, Timmy, I'll give you the the floor first. What were your instant reactions to this Super Bowl? When you sent that stat about the 400 yards, I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense considering every time that he was trying to escape the pocket on one foot, mind you. Like let's like, yeah, keep that intact. He he was like dro- like he was dropping back like he was you know Chad Henney or you know Blaine Gabbard or something like that. Like he was just like a quarterback out there, you know uh, Nate Sudfeld who didn't know what he was doing and he's just going backwards and backwards and backwards and it's like what are you doing? And then somehow he still manages to the get a ball fifty yards downfield and almost complete a pass. So. Um, outside of that, instant reactions are that was a snooze fest. That was, yeah. I mean, in the last five Super Bowls, it's either been extremely boring or a thriller. You mm-hmm. know, we got back to back exciting ones in the Falcons, Patriots, and then the Eagles, Patriots, and then that Rams game was god awful. Last year was like a mix, I guess. It was kind of boring, and then the fourth quarter was fun. Yeah. It wasn't impress. It wasn't exciting until, like you said, that fourth quarter. Jimmy G overthrows Emmanuel Sanders, and then Mahomes finally gets a completion to Tyreek. 
as they march down the field and come back from a 10 point deficit. But I thought that that Rams Patriots one, it was sloppy, but there was always a chance that like Los Angeles or New England, the offense could get going and break out. But either way, not not a barn burner. By no, and means. and and it also as an Eagles fan, you're you're the letdown of our season ended because Alshon Jeffrey got butterfingers, and we had you know we were coming off winning the Super Bowl the year before, so no matter what happened in the next year you know as long if we weren't in it it was always just going to be kind of like eh, whatever um i mean this solidifies brady he's now got more rings than any franchise which is incredible i mean for one player to have more rings um i saw a thing on instagram today that was like you know listing out like that's what it said i think i think the ringer posted it and you know, it's incredible to think only 20 franchises of the, what, 32 in the NFL have actually won it. That's got to be the most yeah. spread out. Like, the, that's got to be the most amount of franchises not have won the championship in all four leagues. You would yeah. think, right? Because in baseball, there's only like five, I think, at this point. And hockey, there's always those like one or two years where like the avalanche or like some Western, like some team out of nowhere makes a contention like Tampa Bay did, the Lightning did last season. Um, right. You know, they got, they, they, even they have two to their name. The Ducks have one. Like, you yeah. know, at that point it's like the Coyotes and the Panthers and that's it. Like even the Carolina Hurricanes have one. Yeah. That's which why, is nuts. I'll get to it later, but I, that's why I think hockey players are always the best because every year it's a little bit more diverse. Mm, I agree with that. You know, so I guess the Canucks are another team, but getting back to it. Yeah. Brady, uh, you know, as much as it sucks to watch it, you know, you got to appreciate greatness. And that was a patented Tom Brady. You know, I've had two weeks to prepare. I know every little thing I'm going to do. I know every which way to beat your, your corners. Now, granted, there were some calls that questionable, but it's not like they, they it's not like it they were calls that like brought back a chief's touchdown or yeah you know there's no way you can look at that as a chiefs fan and been like if this would have gone this way maybe like no you were playing with a third rate offensive line and i think we all i mean a lot of people talked about that and i thought mahomes is just so goddamn good that it wasn't going to matter Right. Mm-hmm. You know, just the way he, he and even I guess that's the only way. And it's a large hypothetical is that there's like two or three passes that he heaved up that could have been caught for touchdowns. Like the one Tyree kill just went right through his hands. Yeah. Granted, he was falling backwards and had two Tampa Bay defenders encasing him. So mm-hmm. it's a hard catch to make. But also the throw that throw, that's what's going to be missed is that even though the score line was ugly and Mahomes didn't have a, had his worst statistical day ever, probably the, the thir- some of the throws he made, he uncorked that ball running against his body, corkscrewed it on a, on, you know, on the run sidearms it and throws it on a dime 30 some yards downfield. And his receiver just closes his hands together a second sooner it's a touchdown. And we're yeah. talking about how that throw is amazing. Instead, it's just going to get lost to the annals of history because you're just going to look at the scoreline and been like, this was never a game. And it really wasn't. 
But Mahomes still did some incredible things. Like that, the other one where he like, uh, I think it was JPP or Shaq Barrett tripped him up in the backfield, and he's literally like falling forward. And as he's like oh. mid, yeah. like almost vertical to the, like he's almost parallel. Sorry, not vertical, parallel to the ground, and he somehow manages to cork un- uncork another twenty-five yard plus throw that literally almost was caught by his receiver. He looked like Ben Stiller from from Dodgeball. That was the the popular yeah. meme that was popping up in uh, on the it's internet. Uh, for my instant reactions, I think this is possibly the blueprint for uh, taking care of the Chiefs moving forward. I think Todd Bowles did an outstanding job coaching Temple guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out, to, shout out to another Temple alum. Uh, I think Todd Bowles has finally drawn up a film from start to end on how to coach a, around this Kansas City offense and finally figure out a way to at least limit. You're not necessarily gonna. Mahomes is probably never gonna have a game like that in his career where he's so off the mark or running around the entire time. But it at least gives teams an idea of applying pressure, squeeze the life out of them, get them out in the pocket, make them go backwards a couple of times, and just keep that pressure up all the way. Similar to what teams had to do with the Patriots for years. Keep pressure on Tom Brady. Force t- pressure on Tom Brady. Make him uh, – Quicker throws. Yeah, it's... get get the ball out of his hands quicker. And I think we're going to see that. The NFL is a copycat league which is what the made made the Patriots so successful. When everyone was zigging, the Patriots were zagging. So now Andy Reid's got Eric Reid. Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy now have to figure out a way to get this team back together, get them motivated. I'd imagine they wouldn't need much more motivation after seeing Tom Brady hoist another Lombardi trophy. But they still need to figure out a way to get themselves back into that position of earning that title of a potential dynasty. Will it be – I don't think it's going to be like everyone thought it was going to be where they were just going to win championship after championship. But I could see at least one or two more at least in their new year two, near future. Kelsey's 31. We're going to see how long he can play at a high level at the tight end position when he's used so much. Uh, Tyree Kill, how long is that speed going to last? I'd imagine looking at him, that speed's going to last for a while. But yeah, but that's one bad hamstring or knee or ankle. Not exactly. To him, even though I exactly. think he's a POS and life on the field, he's amazing. Off of it, not so much. Uh, you know, and there's another thing you said the game plan. Their game plan was clearly Tyree Kill is not going to do a single thing against us. Yeah. And I think it maybe showed that the Chiefs are a little bit too over reliant on him making big plays this year. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is what happens when you coast through a season. Like in most games you watch the Chiefs, it never looked like they were that in tuned. Like it looked like, yeah, we know we're going to win, but we don't have to go to 100%. And then, you know, and that might, that might have cost them a little bit. But also, you know, you got to, like you said, you got to factor in the backup line and that, that, you know, so they, they can, they can adapt. Tampa Bay's game plan and I think it's the best way to beat them I agree with that but you also you have to understand that when he has his two he has a real line there that game plan might not be as effective Mm -hmm. so there's ways I mean the other way is the Oakland Raiders way you just pound and ground for 
you know, you do a time and possession game and that can work, but at the same time, it, it has shown that it also can't because it takes the, it takes the chiefs three plays to get 90 yards half the time. But yeah, you know, Kelsey's 31, you know, can he pull Tony Gonzalez and still be a productive tight end until his mid to late thirties? I would think with all the stuff that's all, you know, all the advancements in uh, technology and the medical fields. Yes. Yeah. But uh, they definitely need a, they definitely need another possession receiver. Um, you know, Sammy Watkins is one of the f- key free agents you listed. There's no way they give him any money. I don't think, um, you know, actually out of all those people that you listed as their key free agents, I would think Sorensen's really the only one they're they're worried about. So and then maybe go get other people. Yeah. So let's go into the free agents because I think this is really intriguing because both teams have some key guys on the market this season, this off season for Tampa Bay, Levante, David, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, who had a, another great year, uh, Rob Gronkowski, Shaq Barrett and Don and Dominican Sue and Leonard Fournette are all free agents this off season on Kansas city side, Sammy Watkins, Le'Veon Bell, Austin Ryder, Mike Rammers, Bashad Breeland, and Daniel Sorensen are also all free agents. So you mentioned Sorensen. Is that the guy you're seeing as the most critical free agent that Kansas City has to keep? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, Rammers showed that he's done, never was much of anything in this league, but he just got used and abused for the better part of four quarters last night. Uh, what's Ryder? Is he their guard? I think he – I should, why didn't I list this? I should have known this. Well, I let you walk old. Uh, Breland, uh, he's not bad, but he's not a number one corner. And if he's not being protected by safety – Center. Ryder plays oh, center. So, yeah, so they need to resign him. Sorry, he, he's their most important guy because he was the only starter they had left from mm-hmm. last year. So it would go writer. Then I believe Sorensen, they would value more of Bashad Breland. Just because Breland is the guy I think that most teams target when they go at when they play the Chiefs. Yeah, I um, would agree with that. I don't think they care enough to give Sammy Watkins any more money. With that said, then they need to go get a big possession-based receiver because that's, I think, the one thing they're missing in this offense outside of a, a steady run game that they haven't had since they let go Kareem, Kareem Hunt. Um Maybe they give Le'Veon Bell another like one year prove it deal, but I could see him still thinking like, oh, I got one year left in this, uh, the one one more contract left, and somebody could pay him stupid money thinking they could, you know, there's there's plenty of dumb GMs out there, as we've covered before. So yeah, <laughs> I, I would I would think of the six of the Chiefs are let you listed. I would say only two might be high priority. I could be wrong though. If they think that. Edward Solaire isn't ready yet, and that Daryl Williams or Damian Williams, whichever one is there, doesn't give them enough coverage. So maybe they bring Bell back, but uh, I don't think he did have enough of an impact for them to consider it. Uh, yeah. Tampa Bay, um, I don't know. Gronk, it's all about retirement. If he doesn't retire, then he's coming back because Brady's going to make it happen. He's only going to mm-hmm. sign with the Bucs. Like, he ain't going to go anywhere else. Yeah. I don't think he's going to ring chase somewhere else all of a sudden. Um, the three defensive guys, Levante, David, Barrett, and Sue, I would think David has been there the longest. Shaq Barrett had one really monster year, one or two seasons ago, and never has really touched it again. 
Um, so of those two, uh, I would think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I would think they, they, they prioritize David over Shaq Barrett, but you never know yeah. considering the defense they run. Uh, and Dominican Sue is probably, you know, unless he takes like the, the veterans minimum is probably gone. Fournette is the same thing as Le'Veon Bell, although he was 10 times more productive for them this year. So it's all about, do we think Ronald Jones can be the guy? And then they move the rookie out of Vandy from this year, Keyshawn Vaughn up into the number two role. I know from reading a couple of things earlier in the season, they were big fans. Arians is a big Keyshawn Vaughn supporter. He's a nice dual threat. He's a kind of a scat back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, kind of like Darren Sproles, but he also has no problem running in between the tackles. Mm-hmm. And then Godwin and AB, it's you're picking one or the other. I really? personally would take Godwin. I, I think so. I don't know what their hard cap is either, but I would I would take Godwin over AB. Uh, but Brady loves AB. It seemed throughout the year that him and Godwin were never on the same page. And I could see Godwin kind of looking at it like, well, I'm not going to get paid number one money. I am a number one, which in my opinion – I think he's a mid-tier number one receiver. I'd take him yeah. on the Eagles in a heartbeat. I, oh my God! Yeah, I you could. Absolutely. I would take half of the people in the freaking tailgate parking lots over some of the receivers that we have. Um. So I think there's somebody out there, possibly the Eagles, that you know, hopefully could could throw some money his way, um, unless they, uh, you know, they throw oh the uh, cap at him. Imagine an imagine an Eagles wide receiving core with Chris Godwin, Jamar Chase, Jalen Rager, and Travis Fulgham as your number four. That's a, oh. that's a that's if a very good Fulgham receiving back. core. It is, I like that. If they bring Fulgham back, if he's willing to work on the things that apparently got him benched late in the season. So yeah. I think yeah, there's seven oh. for the Bucks, six for the Chiefs. So. Uh, I think each team is prioritizing at least two of those guys, maybe three in the Bucks. But like I said, Gronk is all about, am I retiring now that I got another ring? Mm-hmm. Or am I coming back? Then, uh, you know, I think they're going to have to pick between A.B. and Godwin. If Godwin doesn't just say I'm walking. And then at that point, you know, the, 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 the four remaining ones, I, I, like I said, I think Sue's gone. And then it becomes a Levante David Shaq Barrett choice and whether or not you trust Keyshawn Vaughn to fill in for the reps that Fournette got and you elevate Ronald Jones to the full-time number one. I can't argue with that. So on the Kansas City side, I'm going to address Kansas City first. I think – I think you keep you keep Ryder because the center is one of the most critical positions in football outside of quarterback, obviously. It's the most uh, underrated important position in football, yes. I would say. And as Philly Philly fans, we've seen Jason Kelsey grind out games for years now. And it's, it's better part of a decade, yeah. For a huge part of their success. I think you you have to re-sign Ryder. Rammers, you can let him walk. Rashad Breland, he just only hurt them in that game. I'm sure he'll get some decent money somewhere else, but he was just targeted way too much by Brady. And I think a lot of other teams are going to try and target him more next season. Sorensen, Sorensen, I think you could let him walk away. I, I wasn't necessarily impressed by him 
especially throughout <laughs> the playoffs, really. He got away with that targeting call against the Cleveland yeah, game, which forced the, gone. the huge, the huge uh, potential touchdown that turned into a fumble into the end zone, which was a touchback against Cleveland. I think you can let Sorensen walk, and I'd rather re-sign Sammy Watkins, and I'd rather use that money for Sammy Watkins and try and keep that culture at least. And then well, that's Le'Veon where I Be- think Sorensen is the culture guy. That's why I think. I think he's a big locker room guy in that locker room. That's why I, that's that's the, the vibe I get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't think I underst- he's a great player, but yeah, I understand that. But I think you could get a very good safety in the late first round if you really wanted to replace that position. I thought he was a linebacker. It. I thought he filled in for Eric Berry or whatever at safety. I don't know. Is he, he free could safety? Be- Maybe he alternates between the two. Yeah, and they I think they play him in the box a lot, like Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah, that, that maybe that's why I thought he was a linebacker. Yeah, so um I think you can let Sorensen walk and just keep Watkins. I think the backfield is too crowded for Le'Veon Bell at this point. And the cap, I don't know how Kansas City has this much like cap space to like re-sign half of the players that they've re-signed over the years, but that cap's gonna kick in at some point. So you got to mm-hmm. cut some costs here. And I think Sorensen is a cost that you can afford to, to cut right now. Um, for Tampa Bay, I would, I would let Sue walk. I think he, he finally got his Super Bowl. So I think he's going to be on the fence about retirement or at least going someplace else to, I don't know, go back to Detroit and make it a homecoming and right some wrongs and be more of a storyline than an actual trying to contend year or maybe he gets into coaching or whatever. Uh, I think Shaq Barrett, if it comes down to he Shaq Barrett. Or Le- yeah, I think he'd I be a really good coach. He's, he's an intelligent guy. I think he definitely would yeah. be a good coach. I think he would be a great defensive line coach at the very minimum. Yeah. Uh, if it comes down to Levante David or Shaq Barrett, I'm going to keep Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett was getting a lot of pressure. And I think he has a Brandon Graham type role with this team where he can get pressure and it's not necessarily going to show up in the statue of in sacks or tackles or whatever, but he's forcing, he's forcing pressure and he's forcing quarterbacks to get out of the pocket, which kind of like a hockey assist, it leads to the sack or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think I would rather keep Shaq Barrett if, if I'm Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians, because my defense is predicated on pressure and Levante David is a great linebacker, but Devin White has really, yeah. really stepped up this year, and I think he is more than capable of filling in that quarterback of the defense type role with Tampa Bay and just being able to get people in their positions. He's a really smart linebacker. He reminds me – this may be really early, but he reminds me a lot of Mike Singletary. He just has that energy. He has that intellect to just <laughs> be able to absolutely go out and just – get guys in the right spot and make the right play. And he's so explosive on the offensive side of the ball. You keep Gronk because that's going to make Tom happy. And that's going to give you at least a, a valid safety valve. Uh, oh yeah. They don't tra- have a choice. Like Gronk that the front office isn't making that choice. That's a Gronk Tom Brady. Like if, yeah, if he wants to come back, Tom Brady's going to him and be like, Hey, go give Gronk a one-year contract again. And like, okay, Tom. Like, yeah, that's a Tommy I, GM. I, I move. will agree. I will agree with you now. I switched my decision. You're 100% right. With, Dev, with <gasps> no. Devin White, with Devin White, he, yes, it's, I think they will let, now that I think about that, as you were talking, I'm like, you know what? They got Devin White, and it is his time. He's a stud. He's an absolute stud. He's an stud. absolute stud. Uh, 
Yeah. I so yeah, I, I agree. That with the how they predicate their defense with the the two five or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, that they they definitely and maybe that's the reason they would bring back Sue is that he's so vital in there with uh Vita Via having those two big guys that basically can two of them that can play. Yeah, that's a good you point. You know what I mean? So I didn't yeah, think about so that. I didn't, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Levante David. Hey, I'll take him. We need a line. Yeah. I mean, I that's, you're not, <laughs> it's not like it's, you're picking between a scrub and a superstar. There's still two very good players, no matter who you get. Levante uh, David's been, a, has been a, a serviceable, if not a pro ball caliber linebacker in this league for the better part of a decade. I agree. It's just that he's in Tampa Bay that no one notices. He, got, he just got lost for he got lost for most of the decade because Tampa Bay sucked for so long. I mean, that's what happens when you have Jameis Winston writing new thirty for thirties with thirty tutties and thirty ints. That's just gonna happen. Uh, and Josh but, Freeman. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh, oh. That's one of those names. That's like Christian Ponder, like Jake Locker. That's one of those names you like wish to forget, and then it gets brought up, and it's just oh. He had like one. He had one good, like one okay season, and the next year it was like Tampa Bay with whoever their coach was, uh, Raheem Morris. <laughs> and then like seven games into that season, it was like, yeah, we were wrong. This kid stinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it uh, sucks because yeah. I'm. I think he had like a. I think he had like a mental breakdown too. And he like it, there was a lot of, and I feel bad. Like you know, you feel bad, but it's like. Um, I think he there's something happened with him. I feel like after all that happened, but anyway, yeah, not to talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, Bucks offensively, yeah, offensively, you keep Gronk. Obviously, that's going to be a Brady GM pulling the strings and getting that signing done for at least one year contract. Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. I think you got to find a way to keep both. I think if you you let David and Sue walk. That opens up some cash. I mean, Bruce Arians said that Mike Evans told him, so who knows how accurate this is. Bruce Arians said, I think it was on Peter King uh, on Sports Illustrator, Monday morning quarterback or whatever, uh, that Evans said, hey, take some of my salary if we need to keep everyone together. So I think there will be some money to use. And I think Antonio Brown is at the stage in his career going through this year with Tampa Bay has taught him that he doesn't need to be paid as a – or he doesn't need to have the ego, I should say. It's still the, Antonio Brown. It's still Antonio <laughs> Brown. I'm not saying he's not like completely changed or whatever, but I think it, it was like a Dwight Howard situation with the Lakers where he right. he understood his role better. It's it, it's not completely fixed, but I think he understood his role better and just appreciated getting back out on the field. Tom so Brady is like his ultimate psych med. It, like, it is. For some reason, Brady gets through to him. Like LeBron got through to Dwight last year. Exactly. So I think you keep both guys, but if you have to pick one, I'd go with Godwin. I agree with you. He's younger. He's more athletic. He had one of the best catches in Super Bowl history if it was actually in bounds last night. Uh, and this isn't my Penn State bias talking, but he he is a quality, quality receiver that if I'm Tampa Bay, lock him up, have him and Mike Evans for the next three to five years at the Ray, very Randy minimum. Randy Moss, Chris Carter. Exactly. T.O., Jerry Wright, you know. Yeah, build up that tandem instead of banking on a 30-plus-year-old Antonio Brown to get back to maybe where he was. So as for Leonard Fournette, I think you re-sign him because I don't see Ronald Jones 
as thriving without him if they do let him walk. I think what made that running back community so powerful was having that ability to rotate with Jones and Fournette and maybe mm-hmm. throw in Keyshawn Vaughn once in a while. But, but that's what I'm saying. Did they just say, hey, because Jones I, is, was bigger than I remember. I thought he was. A, I he, think he added muscle or something. Like, dude, I don't know what happened. A lot, lot bigger than I remember. He is he is a confirmed grown man. He is yeah. a big boy. I, uh, I took, but I, uh, hey, you know what? It, it doesn't need to be your Penn State bias because you know I'm the ultimate anti-Penn State guy for <laughs> most things, and I think Chris Godwin is great. He's he's a stud, and he he and Evans give you a wide receiver pairing for the next five years. Like I said, that is absolutely absolutely aside. dominant. Yeah, assuming health is all good, you'll you'll have incredible, incredible pairing for the next five years. Um, So any more last thoughts before we move on to the flyers? Who's your, who's your pick? Who's your early way too early early preseason prediction? (laughs) The class way too early power rankings. Yeah. As ESPN always calls them three minutes. Bleacher report does it too. Bleacher report, the ringer. They they all do it. it. I'm trying to get a job at ESPN. I don't need to be trashing (laughs) on them only. Well, at um, all, anywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, who do you think? You think Tampa repeats? You think KC gets it back? I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the pandemic. Any sleepers, anything like that? Uh, I think a lot of it's going to turn out to how this Wentz situation shakes out, where he's going to go. Does he go back? Does he go to – do the Eagles deal him to Indianapolis? Do they get Nick Foles back? That. That, that's the big rumor. That Nick Foles is being attached to a, a potential Carson Wentz trade. Um, well, what's that give us? Just another backup at this point, you know? Yeah, but Foles has stepped into that backup situation when needed. Plus, how does how does right, this it's Deshaun a good backup? How does this Deshaun Watson trade situation? Houston doesn't want to trade him, but he wants out. JJ Watt is expected to mutually part ways with the Texans at some point Ooh. this offseason. Who knows where he goes? Um I think it's Tampa because it, Tampa is the clear cut favorite in the NFC. I think maybe you, maybe the Packers make a run or something. It's just, I think we're going to wait until the draft right now. My early pick is Tampa repeats just because recency bias. And I think Andy Reed finally got out coached in these playoffs. Like I was expecting, and I think you were expecting it as well as a former Eagles fan. Uh, seeing Andy Reid, he's messed up a lot of situations with time management and coaching decisions, and this it caught if up. If I to saw him. another screen pass that didn't work, I was gonna literally like. <laughs> I'm sure you went uh, the, the only screen, person. The screen pass does not work. Yes, the wide receiver screen still does at this point, but the screen pass does not work in the NFL. I stop doing it, people. I did, stop. Doing I think it. the. The wide receiver screen is terrible. I don't think the wide receiver screen works. I think it's the opposite. You get a good running back in space, that's fine. But a a wide receiver bubble screen pisses me off more. I think most – I agree. I I think it works better in college. But I'm saying all the games I watched this year – and it's not like I was sitting there with like the NFL ticket and had nine TVs going. But I watched a decent (laughs) amount of football for just being a normal, you know, everyday guy. Human being? Yeah. And – saw one screen pass work this year maybe like maybe at best i think the sanders broke one but that was really a broken play that i think it was like a fumble and then he picked it up and like 
I think defenses are so trained now on what a screen pass is when a screen pass is coming. They know that if, a, if like a lineman breaks out or they see a running back kind of just doing stutter steps, they all know instantly like, boom, these are the three things you got to do. And it gets like, it's just, it's not like, you know, like, and Reed loves them, you know, there's over the years, how many times have we see Westbrook break one? So I get it, but I just, I think it needs to get, get put on hiatus for a little. No, well, and the goal line fade to the wide receiver will eventually go with it too, because you I don't think hope. that's the dumbest play in football. That yeah, especially the on like third and goal, play. third and goal. Let's go for a goal line fade. The Chargers yeah. one year, one time this year ran three in a row to try and win the game. <laughs> that sums and up that the Anthony Lynn Anthony regime. Lynn doesn't have a job. That sums oh, up the Anthony man. Lynn regime. And when you have a six foot ten or six foot six quarterback who's like two fifty easily. Yeah. And it's athletic and could just anyway. So uh do you have it? Do you have an early pick? KC. I think they regroup and they get it back together. Um maybe Rogers, you know, one has one more one more good run in them, but they find mm-hmm. another wide receiver. Um, you know, because they still got the majority of their guys, I think, together. Does um, Dallas make a make a dark horse run with Dak Prescott? Healthy no. and ready to go, as all the networks will push. Yeah, no, someone's got to win the NFC least, but uh, it ain't going to be the Eagles. So, yeah, it's but yeah, be a I, I would say again. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if we somehow saw another rematch, but it wouldn't shock me if Green Bay got back there again. Um, we'll see if the Browns can keep that momentum going and the Bills can keep it going. Indianapolis um, is going to be in the quarterback, Indianapolis, right? If they get the right quarterback, that's a really good defense with yeah. solid weapons on offense. You know, they got three really good – they got three pretty good to almost really good running backs and um, a decent wide receivers core. So there's a lot of teams out there, but at the end of the day, I'm going to say KC again. I think KC right. gets it. That works, honestly. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the Flyers. Let's get on the ice. The Flyers okay. five and three in their last eight. Go figure. Who would have thought? We did not think that was going to happen. We thought they were going to go three and five or something. You but knew they, they were, were going to do that after we ranted about it. Uh, that's true. <laughs> they were swept by the they were swept by the Bruins, uh, and they are coming off a seven to four win against Washington yesterday. Uh, Scotty Lawton got his first career hat trick in the NHL, which feels wild to me because it feels like this guy's been in the league forever. Sean Couturier finally back in the lineup after a few weeks being out with a shoulder injury. Uh, I think he got a couple of points in this game. Is this team finally turning the corner? Do you want to take this first or do you want me to take this first? Um, I just, I'll, I'll try and be quick and I'll just say no. Like I still have no confidence when I watch this team uh, trying to keep my blood pressure down so I don't get too excited. <laughs> but uh, I watch them. First of all, if you can't beat the Bruins, it doesn't matter. Because you got to beat them at some point. To yeah. win a Stanley Cup, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that they are zero and four now, it wouldn't surprise me. If they went zero and eight. I just don't buy it. I don't see it. Like I can, I can watch the Sixers and see all the tangible results that Doc Rivers has given us. How much better our defense is. How we have a more like a more in sync offense with the shooters. How Joel looks like a monster. I get it. Katoria is a big part. But you, at this point, you can't be relying on him. He gets injured at least yeah. once a year and yeah. misses a chunk of time. When he's on the ice, he's probably 
the one of the best, if not the best, defensive forwards in the game. He's phenomenal. Yeah. And I just I don't see it. Like I like I get it. Cool. Five and three. And I want them to be good. Like I don't want to sit here and people be like, this kid just hates the flyers. Like, no, I just hate this. <laughs> First system. of all, if they're calling you a kid, they're they're sorely yeah, mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> this this quickly this rapidly aging man. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's more fun when the flyers are good. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. I I do I just I can't watch dump and chase hockey anymore. I can't. And like, the Carter Hart stuff annoys me because I saw it coming. I saw it coming from a mile away when he started getting the Vesna hype. I'm like, he's going to have a somewhat down year from last year. And everyone in me was going to be like, he was never that good to begin with. How can we talk about him the same thing as Bernie Perron? And it's just like, dude, he's 21 years old. Not to mention the defense he has in front of him is yes. young and inexperienced too. And, you know, it's just – it's. Uh, Carter Hart is going to take up the mantle of Claude Giroux where it's going to be such a divided opinion for the next 10 years if he's here that long. Like, need I remind you that Bob Brofsky had a rough second year too, right? Or he only last one, I forget. And then it was he was gone. Was he a rookie? And then we traded him? I think so. But, you know, he was up and down, up and down, and it was like, it was from, he's amazing too. Oh my God, get rid of him. And then we, you know, Overreacted, got rid of him, and then he went and won two Vesnas. Yeah, sounds about right. You know, it's like we need to start like like patience, but it's I don't know. I just I guess as long as they're winning, like that's a good thing. But at the same time, all they're winning just. It just it just means nothing. I mean, it means something, but it's not fun to me when it's win winning unattractively. I just so, yeah. it's not a fun system to watch. Yeah, I agree. The so here's my take. The Flyers are playing well when they are picking up the tempo, getting scoring chances, playing rebounds, and playing fast. Not this team is not meant to play dump and chase hockey dump and chase hockey needs to be extinct it needs to be gone i absolutely hate it it is ugly to watch and it makes me miserable and i shouldn't be miserable watching hockey now people want to say people may say oh this isn't for your viewing experience well it makes me miserable because my team ends up losing because they're playing dump and chase hockey which drives me nuts if Konechny, if you get Konechny, Lawton, Couturier, all these guys in open ice, get them break out quick and just play the chances. Don't just dump it right away when you get past the blue line or something. That's when this team is successful, which is what we, what I saw in that Washington game, which is what I saw a little bit in that Boston game where Farabee was ripping, ripping past Tuka Rask. That's where this team is successful. And the dump and chase hockey is just, an oxymoron and it's just counterproductive and it doesn't help this team at all. When you have relatively young skaters, like connect when you have the speed. Yeah. Go fast. That's what led to the Blackhawks winning Press. three cups that that's where this team wins. That you got to. Yeah. Vorchek still has really good skates. Like he's still got really good jump. He's still very quick for a guy who's, you know, I guess on the older scale, if you want to talk about the NHL, because they got like 19 year olds in this league, but mm-hmm. 
um, when you have guys like Voracek, Konechny, even some of the defensemen like Provorov, even Sanheim when he's healthy, uh, hopefully Gossespierre can get to somewhere where he was that few years ago, but he just looks like a shell of himself at this point. Um, but if you get those guys in open ice and play fast, that's what will lead you to success against the Boston, against the Bruins, against the Capitals, the Pit, the, the light, Penguins, the Lightning. Yeah, the Lightning, like some of those teams, because that's where the league's going. And as for the defense, I would like to see if you're playing fast. I want to see you be aggressive, but I don't want to see Carter Hart on an island where he has no one helping him on two-on-ones, three-on-twos, whatever it may be. And then the opposing team, or like the Bruins, for example, spends a minute in our own defensive zone. Like that just shouldn't be happening. That just should not be happening. The pressure is going to add up. One shot is eventually going to get through. And that's where this team needs to improve, in my opinion. I'm encouraged by them picking up some very good wins, but a couple of a couple of pucks, a couple of shots go there, go the devil's way, they easily lose that series. Yeah. A couple of shots go the Islanders' way, they split that series at, at minimum. So no, they lose that kind, series. They're they're lucky it, they didn't lose those series. Yeah, that's, and it's kind of that's another reason why I'm not excited. Is because it, I don't the seven to four win was good, but it's like I didn't come away from any of those those back-to-back wins over the Devils and Islanders being like, yeah, we dominated those games. Yeah, we it was away leads both times. It wasn't like the a team that you could say they look like a number one seed in the East mm-hmm. that won the round-robin round last year. It just doesn't look like that. Now, I, I will still be excited for this team because I think it's very close to contending. They just got to get the right piece, like the right – they have the right pieces. They just got to figure out the right way to use them. And I think it is starting to add up on the pressure is starting to add up on Vigneault where he needs to figure out a way to get this team to play the best way and the most efficient way possible without leaving hard to defend for himself and look shots and try and stop three to four shots in one shift. That's just ridiculous. And it doesn't make any sense and it won't help this team advance because he's just going to be un- he's going to be worn out by the time the playoffs roll around and he's just going to be basically expecting to look every shot possible without getting help from any of his defensemen for the most part. So that's where I think they need to improve. Um for the hockey purists out there that are like oh, well, it's not just a double chase and if you knew it like yeah, I get it and I keep admitting it and I will keep saying it. I don't know anything when it for the most part outside of the general knowledge of hockey when it comes to tactics and how you do this. Like I could sit there for days and talk to you about the press and a bit on a basketball team or how, you know, they're running a zone or motion offense or they're, you know, four one in four out things, anything like that. Baseball, same thing. Football to agree. Hockey is the one where I'm out of my element, but even I can sit and that's, and that's where I'm saying it's bad. If I can sit there, look at it and be like, this just is not a winning formula. So yeah. somebody who is who knows as little as I do comes to the actual like nitty gritty of the systems and how to how to run a scheme and offense and defense. When it comes to hockey, if I can sit there and say there's no way that what they're doing on the ice translates to them making a deep run in the playoffs, you know that 
it's very odd. There's very obvious issues. Yeah. So I, you do not feel confident that this team is turning the corner. I feel confident. I think after picking up a win against the Capitals, I feel very confident because I think they're just winning games. It doesn't matter if they win by a big margin or not. They just need wins to build up their confidence. So mm-hmm. I think they're turning the corner. You do not. <laughs> but let's move no, on to college. Let's move on true. to college hoops because okay. this is more this is more of your element. Let's set the scene because we have not covered college basketball at all on this show. And we're in like week 12. It's probably on me, but you know, whatever. We're covering it's it. Now, a weird, so. It's a weird season. It's just been it's a also weird... a weird season. Gonzaga and Baylor are the number one and number two teams, respectively. They remain on, the only undefeated teams. Gonzaga is 18 and 0. Baylor is 17 and 0. Michigan, Ohio State, and Villanova round out the top five in that order. However, it should be noted that Michigan and Villanova have played about three to five fewer games compared to some of the other teams in the top 25 because of COVID protocols. They've just had games canceled or postponed or whatever. Uh, Illinois and Texas Tech uh, have hopped six spots in the newest poll at number six and number seven, respectively. Missouri cracking the top 10. Alabama's at number 11. Uh, Texas and Iowa each fell seven spots. We're going to get into Luca Garza and what we think about him. Uh, University in Texas is at number 13 and Iowa is at number 15 right now uh, at the recording of this podcast at Monday, February 8th. Um, Kansas Duke and University of North Carolina all unranked for the first time in like 60 years or something like that. Uh, And Loyola Chicago, Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago. Uh, Cracked the top 25 at number 22. So that being said, we'll, we'll start off. I'll ask you this first. What's like a, who has been one big team or player that has impressed you the most so far this season? Um, so I think it's Gonzaga and Baylor are headed, head and shoulders above the rest of this field. I've watched as somebody who's a Gonzaga fan, I've watched, uh, I've watched them extensively whenever I get a chance. Uh, it's one of the be- better offenses I've seen and all my years of watching college basketball. And I get it. Like how many years is it? I've been watching college basketball extensively since I was about 12. Let's put it that way. Um, so it's definitely one of the five best offenses I've ever seen. When they're clicking and they're fully just going and running the court and, you know, just hitting the open man and and just the vision that all five starters and their three main people off the bench have, they can kill you from three-point land. They can kill you inside. They can kill you in transition. Um, They still have a solid defense for, you know, being a couple of unathletic-looking white guys and uh, Kispert and Timmy. I think Timmy is one of the better, better passing big men that I've seen probably since the month of Sabonis. Uh, he's really impressed me. Uh, his control underneath the rim is Kevin McHale-esque. It's wow. just unreal the moves that that kid has at 22 years old. He's another one in the long line of Gonzaga big men that redshirted uh, to kind of get him acclimated to college from uh, Kelly, Kelly Olenek. Zach Oubre, to, or Zach Oubre, Zach Collins. I was thinking of Kelly Oubre for some reason. Uh, Collins in a red shirt, but Sabonis, I am. I want to say Sabonis did, but if not, he stuck around an extra year 
to make sure he got it. So it's either sticking that extra year or redshirting. Uh, Killian Tilly did it. He's now on our roster. Ruchi Atramora did it and, you know, became a top 10 pick. And now mm-hmm. Drew Timmy. Um, Joel Ajayi is one of the more underrated combo guards. Um, if anything, I think he'll be the best pro. So they've been really impressive. But um, on the flip side, Baylor is just a bunch of grown-ass men. If I had to be in a street fight and I could pick one roster for the last 10 years, I am taking this Baylor roster every day of the week. They are just a bunch of grown-ass, tough-as-nails, go out, get the job done, snarl, and make sure you know that we just beat your ass while they do it. They have three of the best guards in the nation, and Davion Mitchell, uh, Jared Jared Butler, and um, – oh, my God. Why am I blanking on the third one? Uh, Butler. Now I can't think of his name because he's – Davion Mitchell, and there's the third one, and because he's not as heralded as the other two. Butler has recently kind of ascended to another level. Um, I mean – he couldn't LJ miss that Cryer? Kansas No. He couldn't miss in that Kansas game two weeks ago. Um, and then Davion Mitchell, the last three games, has kind of just ascended to another peak, and he's rising up the draft boards. They play defense. They rebound. They can shoot. They can create their own shot, and they never get phased. You know, those, those Kansas and Texas games, every time they build a lead, Kansas or Texas would kind of start to chip in and chip in and chip in. And then it's like, all right, cool. If the lead's back down to five, we're just going to go on another 10-0 run and just humiliate you a couple times while we do it by dunking over you, put you putting you on a poster, you know, dropping a three right in your eye. Like, it's just from top to bottom, I think they actually had the deepest roster. And then I think it's Gonzaga. But their defense versus Gonzaga's offense would be a phenomenal matchup to watch. You know, I honestly but it's not think, it's not gonna happen because the college basketball gods won't allow it. Yeah, we won't we won't somehow we're not gonna end up getting it. We should have, but COVID obviously. Um you know, it would be a phenomenal matchup to see in the final four or the championship. And uh I honestly think Baylor would win that game. It's my opinion, and like I said, I'm a Gonzaga fan. I like Baylor too. But do you do you think Baylor's defense is just going to win out in that matchup? I think I think they're just the tougher of the two teams in their defense. Yeah. I just mean, you know, they, they are just a uh, – they're just scary when they want to be, you know? Yeah. And uh, uh, what's the – what are the two big dudes they have that literally look like linebackers? It's a staple, by the way, for Baylor to always have – like one or two power forward centers on their team that are just look like they could rip your head off at any moment. Thamba. Well, we have, we have every, we have every day, John, that guy, he's the man. And, um, vital Mark vital. Oh, all right. Well, with on that, but okay. Um, and they're just two, you know, big dudes that look like they should be playing middle linebacker or DM for the Baylor football team. And they're, I just they're ahead. Those two teams of all the teams I've watched this year are head and shoulders above any other team in this in this uh, nation. You know, in the nation right now. Gotcha. I mean, those are two good picks, but 
I'm going to go a little bit, a little bit deeper down into the rankings. That's what I was going to say. That's what she said, but missed yeah. opportunity. Uh, fighting the Illinois fighting Illini have really, really impressed me this season. I did not know much about them coming into this year, but Kofi Cokeburn has been absolutely phenomenal for this team. And yes, it's apparently Cokeburn instead of not Cockburn. Yeah, I, was really I don't understand how the English language works in that way, but I'm actually is... wearing my Baylor shirt right now. It's kind of funny. Oh my God, you're such a Baylor fan. Go yeah. Bears. Uh, <laughs> 17 points. So Cokeburn stats 17 points, 10 rebounds, and 67% field goal percentage. I saw. Uh, who they play? Indiana. Indiana. We were both watching that at yeah. Times, we were both yeah. Yeah, the officiating was hard. interesting to say the least. Timmy will say hard. It was interesting. Drag like, the game out for another another like extra hour or half an hour. It was like a full crew of Ted Valentine's. And if you don't know who Ted Valentine is, then you don't know what college, you're not a fan of college basketball. Because nice. at this point, if you're a real fan of college basketball, you know who TV Teddy is. And if not, just go look at Mark Titus's tweets. <laughs> that's that's great when you got to like point to a guy's Twitter feed to say, hey, this is who this guy is. Uh, but yeah, watching the Indiana game, Coburn just, he has the same energy and like just presence that Zion gave me watching him at Duke. I'm not saying that Coburn's the new Zion and all this, all the generational hype that was going into that, uh, at draft or whatever, but Coburn just has that, that bounce, that second bounce of coming off of an offensive rebound and just right back up. I'm just going to posterize who's ever underneath me. Uh, and he just has that infectious energy, especially on the defensive side where he just, he'll make good stops. He'll meet people in the paint and do whatever he's got to do to win. And I think that's really translated well to this Illinois team. And I've just been super impressed in a competitive Big Ten conference. They've really stood out to me, and I'm really impressed from what I'm seeing from Kofi Coburn and this this team so he's, far. He's a guy that would fit in aimlessly on Baylor. I agree. He's a monster. Macy Oteague is the third guard. Just popped into mm, my head on there Butler. You go. Uh, but I agree. I like Illinois as well. Um, well. You and I were talking a month or two ago, and I was telling you how it's it's good to have Illinois good again. Um, that, that was grammatically horrible language I just used, but you understand what I mean. <laughs> I'm sure your brother will give me hell for that. Uh, so they uh, – but, yeah, I it's – you know, growing up, Always the top team in the Big Ten with uh, like the Brian Cooks, the Frank Williams, the Corey Bradfords, uh, the Luther Heads, the D Williams, uh, Deron or Deron Williams, D Brown teams. Uh, they were always yeah. Fun these to names watch. are just going completely over my head. I'm yeah, too you young. Don't know. People I'm a young whippersnapper. Know. I'm a young whippersnapper. You don't understand you real college you, basketball. You, you know who Deron Williams is? Or Darren, I thought it was pronounced. Yeah, 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 whatever. They, it's 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 either one. Regardless, I grew up with I grew up with Brooklyn Darren. I grew up with Brooklyn yeah. Darren. Well, Illinois and Utah Darren were a slight. That's to true. Behold. They were dirty. Yeah. Um. Yep. You know, even going way back to the days, there was you know the Kendall Gill uh, teams. Regardless, uh, it's I agree. Uh, I owe Donasamu. I, I know Domasuma. However you pronounce it. Um is a lottery pick 
in my opinion. He's a great combo guard. He's quick. He plays defense. He's got hops. He can shoot. Uh, Trent Fraser is a marksman on the corner. He's he's an he's a senior leader who really stepped up in that Indiana game when they needed him. Um, you got a couple of young freshmen uh, like that Corabello guy, and uh, I honestly think I I like Brad Underwood as a coach. I honestly mm-hmm. wouldn't mind him at UNC whenever Roy Williams retires. Um, Roy Williams will never retire. He's just yeah. there for eternity. Yeah, I know. But regardless, um, hey, we beat Duke. Hey. <laughs> um, Mazel tov. Good things. I don't care if we're both under 500. It doesn't matter. Any Anytime they beat Duke, it makes me feel good. No, it's one um, of those rivalries you lose every other game, but beat Duke. Beat Duke, and that's all that matters. Uh, yeah. But no, I agree. I, Illinois is a, Illinois is definitely a team I could see making a run. They have the they have the required assets, uh, senior leadership, good guard play. They can rebound. They can shoot it, and they also play uh, a tenacious defense. Um, Brad Underwood is a is a uh, disciple of um, Bob Huggins. So mm. they press, press they run. He was the coach at uh, Stephen A. Austin a couple of years back when they had that yeah. white dude that when they made the run in the tournament a couple of years in a row when they beat when they beat West Virginia. Yeah, which was crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I like Illinois too. Um, we're talking sleeper teams, or there's teams that no one gets a whole like no one's like giving them any rep. Uh, Florida State is always one. I I, I think mm. that. Uh, they never get enough respect, and they're another one where I watch them, and it's they're a bunch of upperclassmen. They can really just ball when they need to. They're super athletic, and every year anymore, it seems to me that uh, Leonard Hamilton just finds a new guy to be the go-to guy for that year, and you know he'll somehow get drafted in the top twenty-five or something, and he'll be in the league. And uh, so I like them out of the ACC. Um, I'm not saying they're going to win the ACC. I can just see them being a team that kind of goes on a little bit of a run. I haven't seen enough of Villanova this year. I feel like they're kind of creeping around and that uh, it could be one of those teams that Jay Wright just kind of surprises people with as like a three seed. Yeah. Uh, Michigan obviously is a top five team. Uh, you know, so, we'll see what Jawan Howard can coach with them. But What do you think about Texas Tech? Because this is a so, team that I've been, I've been trying to like, I've been trying to think about them because as a Georgetown fan, seeing Mac McClung do well hurts my soul and really makes me question what the fuck Patrick Ewing is doing over there. But we've stayed competitive. I shouldn't say we, but the Georgetown has stayed competitive in some big, big East games and picked up a win against Creighton. Yeah, we already um, beat Creighton. They already beat Creighton earlier, like just a few days ago, I think. And so that's showing some signs, but I just uh, – I anyway. think that they're uh, they're hitting their stride. I think Chris Beer is a phenomenal coach. He uh, he 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 has a system. It works. He knows what to do. It's almost like he gets a new team every year with a couple of holdovers. They're gonna play defense. They're gonna yeah. get in your face. They're gonna rebound. They're gonna muddy it up. It's gonna be a boring game. And then they're gonna have that one guy that's their go-to guy. Whether that's McClung this year, I don't know. Um, I think they have another sophomore in their team that's kind of taking a little bit of a leap. Uh, but I, I I like Texas Tech. I think that come tournament time, they have the patent, they have the requirements that are needed, which is defense, guard play, senior leadership, yep, and a, and someone you can score in the crunch for you. 
Yeah. They're use and rebounding. I, They're the five keys usually. Yeah, and I just some of these other teams like let's get into Iowa because <laughs> Iowa obviously Luca Garza is getting New a lot. Iowa fans, you're not going to like my take. <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate, but Luca Garza is getting a lot of hype. Uh, he's the front runner basically for the Wooden Award and being the best college basketball player in the nation right now. Absolutely going crazy in the stat sheet 25 and a half points per game, 8.4 rebounds per game, almost two assists per game, and shooting 58 percent from the field but with that being said there are still questions around his nba future so what do you think well obviously i'm <laughs> i already know what you're gonna say but is he a starting caliber big man in the nba no he is doing a very good tyler hansborough impersonation he wow. is a bumbling uncoordinated doofus that refs don't know how to officiate him properly so even though the majority of the time he's the one creating the contact or throwing an elbow or you know dropping his shoulder into the fender or you know throwing his body into a defender that's standing straight up the refs really have no idea what to do he's too slow he's not athletic enough maybe he's a bench guy but this with Roy Hibbert in the early 2010s. Uh, you know, LeBron and the Heat exposed what players like that happen to players like that in the NBA these days. Uh, good for him. He wins the he wins it. I don't know. I'm sure he's probably a nice kid. Nothing against him. I just don't think he's good. I I, I think he's getting the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think it helps that a lot of teams don't play with height these days. Mm. And um I just, yeah, I, I just, I don't buy it. There's no, there's nowhere if I'm an NBA GM that I see and people are like, oh, he's out in an outside shot. Well, yeah, if it takes you seven years to get that outside shot off and you can't yeah. create it on your own, it doesn't matter. Like he's not the second coming to Dirk because he's seven foot and can shoot threes. Like he can, he can barely dribble. They said he's uncoordinated and to get that outside shot, he basically needs to either come off a pick and roll or just be trailing and do like a spot up Brooke Lopez. Oh, um, I think that's harsh. Well, Brooke Lopez is more athletic. <laughs> but I mean, Brooke, I'm saying, I'm saying Brooke Lopez has that play where he'll be coming up the court as a trailer. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, I, I know, I know what you're saying. Um, I just, just don't, I don't buy it. Nothing about him screams future yeah, NBA just, star. Yeah, you're not buying into the hype. I think he is more than capable of being a starting caliber center or power forward or however you want to use him in the league. I think that a team would be happy to at least add him, especially if he goes late in the first round where it's going to well, be a I'm team saying later than that. I'm saying, no, I'm saying that's I've a seen. ceiling. That's his ceiling. Like late first okay. round is like his ceiling. That's okay. I just want to make that clear, but I think okay. he is, assuming he gets picked late in the first round or something like that. I think there is a team that would want to pick him up and say, Hey, let's just give him some time to develop. And like, kind of like what Denver's doing with bowl bowl, just kind of develop him and see if anything works out. Worst case scenario, it was a late round pick or like early second round pick that 
didn't work out, but it's yeah, not but the Bull, end of the Bull's world. But Bull's athletic at least, and he can dribble. You know, that's, that's why that's why I'm saying Tyler Hansborough because as much as I love Psycho T in his days at UNC, he helped bring another national championship. You know, he was an uncoordinated, not very athletic, and in, for in his case, undersized. At least Garza has got the height. I just I get what you're saying. I just don't. Uh, here, here is it's a it's a opposite end of the spectrum. But if somebody like Miles Powell, who is a quick athletic shooting guard that can get a shot off from anywhere, can get to the hole, can finish, can play somewhat okay defense, and you know proved for years in a conference like the Big East that he could score, didn't even get drafted last year. I just don't understand. And he's and he's going to the G League bubble. I if someone like him can't get run. I don't understand how Luca Garza can. Because teams need big men, especially as Philly fans were seeing Joel Embiid give every big man buckets in the Eastern Conference. And a no, team I like agree with that. San, San Antonio, I think that would be a perfect spot for him. I think Don't if you. Still have Jakob Pertle? Yeah, but they're going to trade Aldridge or cut him most likely. They're not going to keep him around forever. I mean, yeah, you could start Pertle, but I'm saying like. San Antonio is a good spot for just develop your game. There's no pressure for us to contend or like get plugged in right away and make a huge impact. Or you're not a, you're not a tanking team that, or a bad team that needs to turn it around quickly. That San Antonio to me seems like the ideal spot. You're not a Aldridge. You could learn from Aldridge, learn from one of the best coaches, some of the best coaches in the game. Cause Becky Hammond is a great coach. Great assistant mm-hmm. coach has really helped that team really just turn like shock everyone have a uh she should have a hard head coaching job in the next two to three years here in my opinion totally and i mean if you want to throw some other spots around like orlando what are they going to do with mo bamba and jonathan isaac and some of those forwards how long is aaron gordon yeah aaron gordon like what what is that play style going to look like boston maybe they add some front court scoring if i because i don't I don't understand why the fuck Tice is still in the league, but I just, he's, he's just not good. He's just not good. I, I know I know at least two Celtics fans, and all of them, both of them are like, they're like, every day I had to watch Daniel Tice play for my team. It, it, I die <laughs> a little bit inside. And I go, now you know what it felt like to watch Brett Brown coach my team for the better part of a decade. Pretty much. Uh, Chicago, will they blow everything up? Who knows? But I think there are some spots where he can make an impact and just take time to develop defensively because defensively, that's where he needs to improve. He has, mm-hmm. in my opinion, he has he has footwork. He has shooting touch. If he can just slim down like, like Jokic did between the season cancellation and the bubble, if he could just slim down a little bit and get himself in better cardiovascular shape, that could do wonders and could really propel his career because – I see defensively as being his only loophole. I look at closeouts and it's like, he's not even trying or he's just so slow and getting out to the perimeter that it just doesn't make sense that he's getting someone like MB would, wood- would put him in the wood shepherd within five seconds. He'd oh have three, yes, he'd exactly. Have three fouls in two minutes. Exactly. It would just be feed Joel, boom, foul, feed him again, boom, foul. Like he would, he would foul him out in a five minute stretch. Yeah, that and sounds about I right. I agree with you. I just like I just, but I don't. I don't think the footwork's there on offense either. I think it's very touch and go. So, I mean, 
Maybe I'm proven wrong, but that's why I'm not an NBA GM. I just don't see it. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, just, I'm not I think there's better people. There's better people out there, you know. Uh, no. In my opinion. Yeah, I think it's just. I think defense, all it, four it's... big guys on the on UNC are in light years better than Luca Garza, and I despise Garrison Brooks. So that's all you need to know about that. They're light years better, or they just have more potential. Both. Really? I think their games are. I think their games are more polished. I think they're ten times more athletic. I think they understand the defensive end of the game better, and I they think they have more potential as well. All right. Well, Armando we Baycott. See. Armando Baycott. Armando Baycott and Deron Sharp or Deron Sharp, however you say his name, aren't starters or like you know uh, viable bench centers in the league for at least 10 years, it's it, it most likely it's because they just didn't have the right attitude or, you know, they got injured. They're they're Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the kind of big height that the league is looking for is guys like them. Yeah. All right. Well, so, we shall see as the rest of the college season progresses. That's just uh, our initial team, take. One more team for you that, uh, and those things, Colorado, they're good. People don't give enough respect on their name. USC as well, uh, out in the Pac-12 because it's the Pac-12 and no one watches. But I'm telling you, Colorado could surprise some people with McKinley Wright and uh, Evan Batty, who's their, their big center, and then they just have a bunch of shooters. They, 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 they'll probably be like a five or six seed in the tournament, but I'm telling you, they could mess up some brackets when they get hot. So keep All an right. eye out for them. All right, well, we shall see as the rest of the college season progresses. From Timmy Gorman and Matt McLaughlin, thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you are really just keeping up with us on all social media and whatever else. Thank you all again. You could have tuned into anything else. This is the most mediocre show on the internet, and we (laughs) shall catch you on the next episode. What's up, guys? Matt here. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Cannot do this without you. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms and whatever podcast services you use to listen to the show. Uh, Once again, cannot thank you guys enough and catch you on the next episode. Thanks.